Peace World. Welcome to another episode of It's Always Personal. My name is Wood. Till I get some guests on, I gotta celebrate myself. I gotta continue to pat myself on the back. Um, it's Martin Luther King Day, and over the weekend, a very important movie came out in um, One Night in Miami. I've been seeing about this. I've been I've been seeing uh, updates and whatnot on this for the past year or whatever. I heard Regina King was involved and, and would be directing it. Uh, and I kind of, kind of fell off my radar a little bit. And actually, when it when the you know when it started the the, the that final bit of promo that they do as the date nears when it's going to be available to be streamed and whatnot um you know i was like oh yeah that and i wasn't sure where it was uh gonna be available for viewers or fans or you know people interested in, in watching it i guess there was a small window where it was in theaters um you know for people that are still going to cinemas and whatnot I just watched Tenet at home a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Um, that was the movie of 2020 that I wanted to see. And it actually came out on my birthday. It was scheduled to come out on my birthday, but that got scrapped. Um, but this was in movies theaters briefly, and now it's on Amazon or Prime Video. So that's how you can check it out. Um, you might check your low you might check locally and there might be some independent movie houses or whatever they call them uh, I can't even think of the name of it. Um, but the smaller you know movie theaters they might be having showings of it for those that don't want to mess with um, Amazon Prime and whatnot and Amazon Prime has a couple of decent movies on there featuring black leads or were written by, you know, black writers or a black director. Um, I've seen, you know, some some opportunities popping up over there and some some pretty decent movies. One was Black Box. Last year they had the dope movie. It's an African brother. Courtney B. Vance was in it as well, but it was something about uh, the dude was going to be a Somalier, but it was a really good movie and you know it, it wasn't the thug shit the street shit you know it was, it was just a really good movie i cannot think of the name of it though but that cat the african guy he stars in this movie called black box with felicia rashad uh by the way huge salute to felicia rashad Felicia has been having a hell of a year. She starred in Black Box, had a prominent role in this Black Box movie that can be watched on Amazon Prime. She's also in um, that new Pixar joint, Soul, which was co-directed and co-written by Kemp Powers, who wrote the screen, who was the playwright of One Night in Miami. Um, so that there's that connection, but that was out there. There was also a movie. There's also a movie called uh, "I'm Your Woman" that has a couple of you know it has a black guy. I, I think he's African, and his sister who I've seen pop up in a few things. 
I think the the main actress's name is Rachel Brosnahan. I believe is how you pronounce her last name. She was in years ago. She was on a uh, House of Cards. That doesn't sound right. The one that Kevin Spacey fucked up and submarined. But I'm I am your woman. I'm your woman. A bit of an odd movie, but uh, kind of a somewhat of a slow build. But I liked it. Um, and then Sylvie's Love was on there, produced by Namdi Asamoah, former NFL player. So definitely check those three out. I'm gonna try to figure out a way to watch Soul. I don't have Disney Plus, but I've been hearing good things. I've heard like street dudes and, and hip hop cats talk about Soul, which stars uh, is voiced by Jamie Fox. Tina Fey is in it as well. Angela Bassett as well. And I just want to say, you know, as you as I get ready to get into the review of um One Night in Miami, just shout out to this to these different opportunities that I'm seeing. These these different types of movies. Um and what I'm what I've tried to say here and I said last episode with with this constant talk about racism and and brothers online talking about racism and 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 everybody's a race everybody white is a racist anybody white says anything about somebody black is racist and racist and racist and racism and racism um don't forget to take the time to realize to recognize real change don't don't forget to take the time to 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 acknowledge people really getting stuff done and what regardless whatever walk of life they're in cat just texted me a buddy just texted me um an article from the local paper this sister who was a uh teacher in the local school inner city school system she's no longer a teacher she's getting ready to open a, a bakery at a um downtown in this space that's kind of been um revitalized as part of a major revitalization project and she's getting ready to um open this this cakery you know dessert high-end dessert thing downtown acknowledge that recognize shit like that get behind people doing shit versus someone sitting on a podcast or a live stream or Instagram talking about ain't nothing changed. Some people's views haven't changed. Some people's understanding hasn't changed. Is shit perfect? No, it's not. Is shit gonna be perfect tomorrow? No, it's not. Is it gonna be perfect Wednesday? In the, in, in the after the inauguration no it's not it's probably gonna change very little unless you know they get this humongous stimulus package thing together you know maybe that's some kind of temporary change or timely change for some I don't know but the work is never the work never ends The work never ends. 
Regina King putting this, you know, directing this project. Fuck with her. Her name should be trending and whatever, you know. This is a phenomenal movie. Kemp Powers, fuck with him. Sometimes, see, I, and I, I, I try to, I said I was going to try to curb some of the profanity that I'm using on here. But sometimes you got to use street vernacular and, and shit to convey simple messages and to, to motivate people and to, to make the shit sound hip. And it's, I fucks with her. I fucks with that. Fuck with Regina King. Fuck with Kemp Powers. Fuck with Aldous Hodge. Go back and check his, uh, his, his, his role in this joint as uh, Jim Brown was phenomenal. The cat that played um, I gotta see where this dude is from man it's starting to bug me said I can't get to it Kingsley Benadir trying to see where he's from well it says nationality gospel oak no he was born in gospel oak never heard of it so i don't think that's some shit that's american but it says nationality is english he went to the guild hall school of music and drama william it's actually gonna be some brothers out there that are part of their takeaway from this is that this english dude shouldn't have been playing malcolm x that's how small-minded some people are That's, that's where we are. It's going to be some dudes that are angry because this English cat, they was angry that, that and that was kind of started by uh, Samuel Jackson, that Daniel Kaluuya was uh, in Get Out. Like, he's not, a, he's, not a, he's not an American black person, so he doesn't understand how to react properly to racism. It, make what you will of that. But <clears throat> anyway... Like I mentioned with the, the, the four brothers in um that played the band in um Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. There was some beautiful stuff in there that still points out to how we get down with one another. Michael Potts, I'm saying this shit like I set that up. Uh the brother slow drag who played Brother Muzon on The Wire. His name is Michael Potts. He was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Slow Drag. I just wanted to, I, I keep leaving him out. But um, the interaction between those four black men in that one, I hope people tap into what, what's also on display with how we treat each other. We want to sit here talking about racism and, and the white man this and white people that and the white people always this and the white is and this and that and this team owner and this 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 and that and this politician look at how we treat each other look at the look at the relationships of those black men in Ma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom look at what takes place here with Jim Brown Sam Cook, Malcolm X, and Cassius Clay. 
and then look at what goes on online. Look at the ending, the closing scene, this speech that they talk about. This excerpt from Malcolm X. And then look at, he said he died because of uh, something about as a martyr. And he did it. He accepted his fate, basically. to be, He accepted becoming a martyr because... Um, he did it for, for brotherhood. And now look what we're out here doing with brotherhood. I was trying to see if I could find it real quick. I apologize. I'm getting ready to get off of here and get into the... I had to come back and do this, though. What he said was, a man who... No. What the quote was at the end of uh, One Night in Miami. Pretty heroin... Um, moment to sit there after watching it and in the process if you thought like i said if you think on a bigger scale but he said it is a time for martyrs now and if i am to be one it will be for the cause of brotherhood the way shit could be getting after looking like after wednesday i hate to i don't it ain't even really blowing this out of proportion if you saw what happened on the sixth we might be entering an age where you just don't have to be involved in some street shit for your life to be at risk. Like it's a it's a it's an element in this country that's 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 been awakened and that's on some that's that's really on shit. You just never know. I didn't think shit was that bad here, to be honest with you. I mean, I know I know it was some problems with some shit. But that shit lasts uh, on on the sixth. I ain't seen nothing that warranted all of that. I mean, damn, man. I know I've been inside my house for ten for ten months or something, but damn. But anyway, not to take anything away from this, check out this movie, man. Hopefully, you go and check out the others that I've been talking about. And lastly. With the with the with the podcast, it's always personal being over on um, being over on um, now being available on Apple Podcast. The one or two of y'all that rock with me, and especially talking to my man that sent me the text today about trickle down fuckery. I'll do the same for you. Matter of fact, you'll see mine later tonight. I'm going to go and drop a review for your podcast that I listen to. Uh, but for those, anybody stumbling across this, uh, please check out other episodes in the playlist. One. But do me a favor and, and leave a quick a quick review. I don't know. Shit. Can you even, if you can give two or three stars or something or, you know, and not type any words one sister said she loved something that i said or put out on something uh, i sent her a link of a podcast before i was talking about some show and i said oh well if you really loved it like she was like it was phenomenal i felt like i was watching it you know like i had watched the season or something like you got me up to speed and it was that was i said hey well can all of that i said well can you leave me a, a review and she said well i wouldn't know what to say I said, well, everything that you just texted me or IM'd me, just copy that and then paste it into the box where you can make a review. Like three and a half years later, that shit never got done. 
It's like, fuck, man, you can't depend on people for shit. God damn. Which is why in this movie, Malcolm X is so adamant about Sam Cooke using his gift for what was was the struggle for Malcolm X and not necessarily a struggle for Sam Cooke. Because like I just said, Sam Cooke wasn't about looking at the mountain necessarily. Like he says in the movie, I don't want the cake. I don't want my cake. He said, I want the motherfucking recipe. Excuse my, my French, but the hell with the racism. Let's fuck with the people overcoming. Anyway, with that said, man, let me get on, on the other side of this break. Check out my breakdown and review reaction and all of that analysis. Uh, of the uh of of this phenomenal movie one night in miami also you can check me out just i did a a post just specifically on aldis hodge who plays jim brown and just the the character jim brown i forgot a few points on my live stream that i did on youtube about the brilliance of jim brown the role or the character in one night in miami I hit on all of those things on here and that caused this episode to run a little long. I apologize. Anyway, on the other side of this break, One Night in Miami. All right, I'm back. I really would have liked to have gotten somebody else on here to help out with talking through this episode of uh, it's always personal, but you know, I, I can't, I do things on a, I apparently do things on a different timeline than everybody else. And I know that I have interests that just, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of um, people that share the same interests. Um, I've been looking on the playlist and I think there's zero plays on the uh, the Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom episode of It's Always Personal. And I think I put Chadwick Boseman in the title and, you know, tried to put together a, a nice description or an, not, an appealing um, description. And uh, I don't think it has any plays or they haven't registered. Um, but I know one person listened to it, so I don't know how reliable that is or isn't, but, um, I just don't know what it, it, it was, uh, the divisional round in the NFL this past weekend. And, uh, you know, I would imagine that black men would have been watching a movie. So it would, would have been the target audience or the, the people that I would have expected to have watched one night in Miami. And like I said, they could have been watching football all weekend. So I got to move at my speed. Uh, Two quick things. It's Martin Luther King Day. (laughs) Hits a little differently in 2021, to be honest. Hits a little differently. Uh, Malcolm, I mean, Martin Luther King's birthday was uh, January the 5th. Muhammad Ali 
who was Cassius Clay in One Night in Miami. Uh, his birthday was the 17th, was yesterday. This is being recorded on the 18th. But I want to jump right into it. Um, again, you can check out a video that I did specifically on Jim Brown, who I thought Jim Brown's, uh, the character of Jim Brown stole the show. And Aldis Hodge, I mean, I guess at the same time, Aldis Hodge stole the show, in my opinion. And I really hate to even, uh, you know, that's what we do. We go to who did the best job and who did this and who was number. I saw people who didn't like Eli Gorey as um, Muhammad Ali, especially boxing people. Like, he didn't do that. He wasn't that. I think he did a I think he did a solid job, to be honest. And this is not about him looking exactly like I thought he did a good job. I thought it was cast well. I didn't know he was Canadian though. But um I'd seen him on Ballers as well as um Pearson, which was canceled, maybe going into this be ahead of this year, it was canceled. But it was a damn good show in my opinion. And I was interested to see what his character was was next for his character on there as it stopped at the end of the first season. But um, but I just think Jim Brown's character, I think more of us connected or could connect to um damn, they had a Martin Luther King march. I'm just watching the news. They had a Martin Luther King watching my uh my little suburb on like the busiest road on the busiest road, uh, you know, one of the two main roads in the, in, in the, in the suburb, they shut it down. That's interesting. I thought they weren't doing anything this year because of the weather and whatnot. Let me get to this though. But I just, I thought Jim Brown's character, you know, he was flawed. He was ambitious. He was, he was, he was an athlete. So many of us nowadays are former athletes or, you know, we're athletes in high school or, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, Jim Brown, liked the ladies, he liked, um, he was about his business. He was, he was, he was great. He, he played hard. He worked hard. Like I said, uh, he was, he had his mind in other things away from the football field. He dealt with the bullshit of being, uh, you know, Mr. Football and one of the greatest athletes of the, uh, of the 20th century. And, you know, he was big. He, he has a line in here where he says, I'm Jim motherfucking Brown. So he just has this huge personality in the same room, in the same hotel room with a young Cassius Clay. But at several times, he kind of still towers over this big spirit in Cassius Clay and over Malcolm X. Sam Cooke is probably the, probably the least known for, at least for people, I'm 45, so 45 and below, I mean, Outside of this truly beautiful record, a change going to come. You know, with each year, Sam Cooke probably loses a whole lot of relevance, unfortunately. 
But I would strongly suggest going to check out the Netflix, the Netflix uh, documentary that's out there about about the late Sam Cooke. Like I said, so many brothers think nowadays that they're, that anybody doing any of these people out in public are doing something for the first time and don't understand, don't realize somebody's already done that. Somebody already fought that fight. Somebody already, you know, had that type of ambition or, you know, Sam Cooke was a beast. But one my let's get into a couple of details on it, man. One night in Miami, I, I saw about the I saw, you know, reports and stories on this on Collider.com about this last year and kind of lost track, kind of crap up on me to be honest. But it was directed the the one of the important things is that it was directed by Regina King, who was on two two seven, Boys in the Hood, uh this Christmas. Um Seven Seconds, which was a great series. It was a great one season on Netflix. I hated that that got um, canceled. She also was in a thin line between love and hate with my, uh, with Martin Lawrence. She's, um, and she started directing music videos, which led to this being her um major motion picture directorial debut, but she directed a video for finding my way back by Jaheen back in like 2010. I think she, and then she did one more for Stokely. I think the joint was Stokely and Kelly price, but she went from what I understand. I think I heard her uh, a while ago where she said she didn't know anything about doing a music video. And she went in, she went and approached Jaheem or his people or something. She wanted to do a video for that song. And they told her, well, you got to do a treatment. You got to put the story together and get this story together and a storyboard. And you got to pitch this to somebody to get a budget and all of that type of stuff and get the ball rolling. And she was like, to herself, she didn't know what the hell they were talking about. But supposedly, according to this story that I either, I don't know if I saw a video or heard her on a podcast, I click on a bunch of stuff. But she said she went and Googled it, and that's how she figured out what the hell it was. And she went back, you know, shortly thereafter and pitched it. They liked it. And then she had the job and then had to figure out how to actually, you know, Culling from all of the experience of being in front of the camera all of these years. She figured it out. That's what many of us have to do. Figure it out. I was telling another partner about Issa Rae. You know, she figured something out. I can't, I can't get into this talk about, and this isn't even a resp- in response to my partner. So I don't know who clicks on some of this shit, but this is this isn't even a dig at him. I just can't hate on anybody for anything when you figure something out at a at a huge level. And to go from Adventures of an Awkward Black Girl and to go to uh you know season four, you know, four seasons of Insecure, I I, I can't hate on her. Incidentally, Regina King directed a couple of episodes of um, 
of Insecure. She's done a Southland. She directed a couple of those. I think she was even on Southland. Oh, Watchmen, which was dope. Only one season for that on HBO. So she's been doing her thing. She directed this, though, and I think they call this a bottle. It's not an episode, but it's a bottle movie or whatever, where it takes place in one day or one uh, one setting. There's actually like two settings, two or three. There's a handful of settings, but the bulk of the movie takes place in Malcolm X's hotel room at the Hampton house. Um, It was written by Kemp powers who co-directed and helped write soul, which I've heard great things about starring um, uh, Jamie Foxx and uh, Felicia Rashad, Tina Fey and um, Angela Bassett. It's with Pixar. It's on Disney plus, I believe right now. Um, So he co-directed that. I think the first black man to do anything or on that level for Pixar. Um, shout out to him, man. And I'm shout out to, to a bit of a resurgence for, for plays and for play for playwrights with this being an adaptation from a play that Kim powers wrote. And I did, I was kind of skeptical. Like how could this come together? Cause like, me coming from the boxing world, you know, boxing people are looking at this like, oh, it's Cassius Clay, uh, boxing, you know, boxing, boxing. but it, boxing is really not a superstar. I mean, it's not a, it's not a major plot, a major part of the plot. Actually, I think it plays an excellent the 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 amount of attention and screen time devoted to boxing. I thought um, Regina King handled that brilliantly. And somebody was saying, uh, I don't need to mention that, but even with uh, Gory as Cassius Clay in the ring, I thought it was a good job. I thought it was a damn good job. Like I said, Eli Gory plays um, plays Cassius Clay, who's 22 years old, and in the leading up to this, setting this in motion, uh, they've gathered the four of them have, well, let me get also, uh, Kingsley Ben Adir plays Malcolm X. Leslie Odom Jr. I think he was in, um, Alexander Hamilton and in those nationwide commercials or something for a while. Also in Harriet had a dope role in Harriet Tubman. He plays Sam Cook. Great job for him too. And then um, Aldis Hodge plays Jim Brown. Aldis Hodge is just kind of on a similar track as um as Omari Hardwick. I believe Omari Hardwick. He was on, he started he popped up on the scene for me in Deep Blue. I think was the name of the show on TNT. And they only got like four to six episodes of TNT. I mean of, of Deep Blue. And it got canceled. Maybe they had a first season. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but that's when he jumped on the scene for me. And then he went on to do everything that he went to do with power and other stuff. Um, Aldis Hodge 
started on that show. It was something with Timothy Hutton and they were like con confidence running con confidence schemes and stuff or something. And he was on there as like the fourth person, you know, the long black guy. Omari Hardwick was the long black black guy as a deep cover officer on Deep Blue. Like I said previously, his life was all fucked up away from, you know, away from the job. And of course, he was the guy on the front line with all the dope, any dope boys that they were investigating. But um, Aldous Hodge went on to be in, um, didn't have a lot of role, a lot of parts or a lot of uh, lines and whatnot as MC Ren and straight out of Compton uh, had a really good role recently in the invisible man with the female that was on um, mad men and the handmaiden, the handmaiden's tale or whatever it was on Zulu. I'm damn Zulu. (laughs) My bad. Freudian slip. (laughs) Uh, Hulu. Um, what a, he's just, and then he was that, uh, city on a hill. He was excellent on there as, um, a, a D a district attorney alongside Kevin Bacon. That was on Showtime. I don't know if that's coming back for a second season. Enjoyed the hell out of uh, the first season though. And that's when he really started like really spreading his wings in my opinion and coming into his own. But um, he just kills it on here. And like I said, you got a Malcolm X, a Cassius Clay, and I, I think because maybe because Jim Brown is still living, he also took some hit. Took a hit recently when he met with Donald Trump after he won the uh, you know the twenty sixteen election and came into office, and and um, Don, and uh, Jim Brown went to go see him. And wanted to meet to do some things. And, and, you know, he took this hit as being this sellout. And and being a coon and shit. Which, this deals with that. A lot of this, these relationships in here deal with this. This rift, this constant struggle between black men. I can't remember who in here talks about it. But it was it was like uh, they were putting uh, Malcolm Malcolm X was putting pressure on Sam Cooke for not being black enough, for not being in the struggle, for not being what he was about. And he was like, motherfucker, do you know what I do in my industry? Do you know how innovative and how courageous and how I'm getting shit done in my field? Like, play your lane, bruh. You see, I get emotional about that because I, I, I see the same shit. Like, and that's what I, that's why I keep doing this podcast. That two or three people listen to. Cause we all can't be Joe Budden. And we all can't be, um, you know, some of the brothers who choose to do their thing the way they do their thing on YouTube. Some of us got to be down to earth 
Some of us got to have some facts in what we say. Some of us got to understand what the hell we're talking about when we go talk to other people and get in front of other people. I'll get to some of that in just a second. But shout out to the entire cast. Shout out to um to to Regina King for bringing this thing together in exemplary fashion. And then shout out to Kent Powers on the dope script and representing each of these men as we know them. As we've come to know them. Um, I'm trying to break this up. Let's just get into it. Um, so everybody starts out. It was interesting how we meet everybody, how, how all of the characters are introduced in one night in Miami, because everybody, each one of them is humbled in some shape, form or fashion when we meet them, you know, as they come on to, as they come on screen. Um, Cassius Clay was knocked down by this, uh, this U- over in the UK, I believe, in the opening scene by a fighter named, last name Cooper. I didn't, I didn't bother looking up who Cooper was, but um, Cassius Clay was playing around and got knocked out. I mean, knocked down. And they kind of just, they didn't even bother cleaning it up to show you that he won the fight or whatever. I liked how they handled that you got to listen in the dialogue and it's like, he did get up and finish the fight. Um, shout out to the wire with, uh, Larry. Damn. Not Gilmore. Gilliard. I think it's Larry Gilliard. Who played Angelo on the wire. Gilliard. That doesn't sound right. Um, trying to look it up real quick also in the movie was um michael imperioli as angelo dundee lawrence gilliard jr played uh bundini brown bo bridges was in here um but he gets knocked out knocked down um when we meet sam cook He's trying to do his own thing and playing this, this Copa, which you've seen in other movies at this time, but it meant a lot for him to be playing there for some, you know, it's like with people chasing Grammys and chasing Oscar awards and chasing these mainstream awards that don't always recognize, you know, black created, or black starring pictures and main, these mainstream awards don't. And and, and it's the same thing here. It it meant a lot to him because of what the Copa meant is in terms of a place to play, but he bombs there when they, when he gets introduced and he goes in there, I think he hadn't, maybe he hadn't had a hit in a while or, or whatever, but he wanted to be there. That was, that was making it for him. And he goes in there and the crowd doesn't really receive him all that well. And, you know, he gets, he bombs and then he has to keep it a buck with himself, him and his team. Uh, when they're in the back, you know, the team is like, man, you you look bad out there tonight, bro. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I fucked that up. And that's kind of immediately let, lets us know how real Sam cook was. Malcolm X, when we meet him, he's going through being silenced by the um the decision has come down you know after he's made his jfk his famous or infamous jfk uh roosters or uh, chickens coming home to roost 
comment. And he's on the outs with the Nation of Islam and ponder or contemplating going off to start his own thing. And the one thing that he really need, the one card that he really needs to have in his back pocket is he needs Cassius Clay as he leaves, as he exits. He needs someone with that type of cachet to bring others along with him, or so he thinks. And then with Jim Brown, he has an interesting uh, where he pops up in the movie because he goes to see someone back in his hometown after, you know, a, a, a man who's a huge fan of his as a football player. And he, he looks at him like a man and says that he's proud to tell people from wherever it is in um, Georgia where Jim Brown is from. But George, uh, they sit there and had his short talk and he, the Bo Bridges reiterates to him, you know, I'm a fan and you're, you're a man. Anybody that ran in, you know, for 800 yard, 1800 yards and did what you did. And, and, and the type of ball player that you are, you should be able to do anything and, 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 and should be well-respected and blah, blah, blah. And then they turned right around. He was getting ready to go in the house and move some furniture for his granddaughter it's a big Southern house out, you know, kind of off outside of town. And, um, after such a nice conversation and, and, and being, um, praised, he tries to follow uh, Bo bridges into the house. Like, well, you getting ready to live some furniture. You should, you should let me help you out. And he's like, just doesn't even skip a lick. You know, we don't allow any niggers in the house. After he just called him a man. And that's kind of what's um, just the brilliance, in my opinion, and the depth in uh, Jim Brown is like he could have whipped that old man's ass, you know, in his house. On his property. But, uh, you know, he just looked at him crazy as Bo Bridges walked away to go do whatever he was going to do. You don't see the end of the scene. Um I just thought that was handled well. How they chose to do that or how uh, Kent Powers wrote that. Um, so we get to this Hampton house and, you know, they let us know how I think um, Malcolm X calls Sam at his uh, hotel. He's at a nice hotel down in Miami. I forget the name of it, but him and his wife are staying at this really luxurious hotel. Malcolm X. He, like I said, he's living on this budget that he really doesn't have. I mean, you know, he's not getting a lot of support from the nation of Islam at this point that he does have a security detail with him, but he doesn't know if they're there to track him or to protect him or a little bit of both. Or maybe to get rid of him. He does. He really doesn't know. And he's starting to get a little paranoid. But Malcolm calls Sam looking for. Uh, looking for Cassius Clay. To let you. To kind of establish that they're all friends. And let give you a sense of what their relationship was. For those of us that didn't know these four had this type of connection. And. Um. 
Sam asked him, well, I don't know. Have you, have you talked to Jimmy? And he's like, nah, you know, whatever, whatever. And then moments later, Cassius Clay pops up at, um, at, at, uh, Malcolm X's room. And then he goes in there and pray. He went to go pray with him to get prepared for the fight later on that night. Another little quick, interesting scene here is that, um, for everything that you see in Ali, Cassius Clay as the youngest of all of these guys and how he looks to them for so much insight and whatnot before he goes to go talk to Malcolm X, he has a bit of an argument. Not really argument. He just puts down his foot to his trainer and his, his boxing team who remind him that, you know, you have, white investors who've given you money to help you prepare. Um, I think this gives us a glimpse into the reality of, of, of the economics and, and, and the financial situation behind fighters to this day. Shout out to the Browns bronze bomber. But his trainer tries to tell him, Hey, you know, you, you think that's such a good idea. You And, and he probably paid, I'm thinking that he paid for uh, the small hotel room that Malcolm X is in. He used some of his money from his training budget to pay for that. If you listen to it, but he tells Angelo Dundee, don't worry about it. Like they told me that was my money. I'm using it to this. This is my spiritual advisor. He's part of my team. So I'll do what I want to do and I'll pay them back the money that I owe them with interest. Angelo Dundee goes and sits his, his behind down somewhere. So um, the big thing, the big chunk here where most of the, the, the conflict and the, I hate to call it action, but where the meat of the movie is and the, the, the tension happens and, and the brilliance of the movie, um, who, who would have known that they could capture just like in, um, just like in my Rainey's black bottom. With the with the band, with Chadwick Boseman, damn, I don't never forget uh, Brother Muzon's real name, but he played a uh, slow drag, the the upright bass player Toledo, played by Glenn Turman, and then um, Domingo, I forgot his name, is Domingo Coleman, I think, or Coleman Domingo, one of them, who played. Um, was his name maybe his cutler i think it was cutler but the same situation you know they're in that basement these four brothers are in this hotel room um but yeah so most of it happens in this post-fight situation so um after the fight you know he's knocked out or uh liston has has uh retired in the corner and then they make it back to this room and, and, and Sam and, and Jim are expecting to party with the new heavyweight champion of the world, the baddest man on the planet. And, you know, they pull up to the to the Hampton house hotel and they see the, the, the small detail of, um, the nation of Islam security team headed up by Lance Reddick. And another dude at the door named, um, that was brother Kareem X. The other cat's name is Jamal, the younger cat. That's from, that's, that's, that's from Toledo in the movie. But, um, Jim and Sam were like, yeah, you know, shit, man, we trying to drink. Where's the women? Like, what the f- 
fuck you bringing us here for? And Malcolm X controlling the whole situation and, and, and kind of being manipulative in a way. He's like, no, nah, brothers, we need to come in here. You won't be missing none of that. Like, you can always do that. We need to come in here and reflect. And, you know, we got to prepare the, this young man for what's getting ready to befall him. And Jim and Sam were like, Sam's brought his guitar. He was the first one there. Uh, they like, man, this, this, I didn't really sign up for this, but, um, this is kind of a, you know, indicative of the level of friendship that they have between them. Like I said, for those of us that didn't know there was this strong of a connection between these four individuals. So they play along until Malcolm pushes, pushes too hard. Um, it's funny here because each of these guys has some secrets and another one in the group gives up the other person's secret. And the first thing is that uh, Malcolm gives up the fact he reveals that Cassius Clay is getting ready to transition to becoming a Muslim and joining the nation of Islam only briefly because Malcolm X again needs him to join his getting ready to be formed organization. That's Malcolm X's secret that Jim Brown pulls out of him. And then Jim Brown's secret was that he was transitioning to becoming a movie star or an actor. And he confides in, um, he confides in Jim. I mean, Jim Brown confides in Cassius Clay. And then Sam Cook is going to make this powerful and important record and a change gonna come and he confides later on in the movie in Jim Brown so it's kind of a round robin with the secrets there's something in here to let you know what's going on Malcolm goes out to go get his camera if you remember in Malcolm X the movie when um when he went on his uh what do they call Hodge Haji or something to go to when all of the Muslims, you know, take that trip to, to Mecca. Remember he was over there tape with his camera, that same camera detail pops up here where he was taking pictures, uh, throughout the movie, but especially during the, the, the clay and Sonny Liston fight. So he goes out to the car to get his, um, to get his camera and, he notices as he's, he goes to stop and call his wife. He doesn't want to be in the room based on what he has to talk about, but they, like I said, it's well orchestrated how they get into what's going on in his life. And Betty, you know, he tells Betty that, uh, you know, he's the world champion. His impact is going to be that much bigger. And it's going to help us out. So like I said, he is being deceitful. He looks down the way and he notices the G men, the FBI agents that are following him. And you know, all of this stuff is starting to weigh on him. And he's also got to be concerned about what's getting ready to happen. And and the whispers that he's becoming aware of in the nation of Islam. 
for some reason, um, Sam Cooke comes out. Leslie Odom Jr. comes out to find him. Like, where you? What's going on, bro? We up here. You got us in here. All we got to celebrate with is ice cream. And he's like, his vanilla ice cream. And Malcolm X is like, well, brother, I thought, brother, brother Sam, I thought that's, I thought you were, I know that you're fond of, of, of white sweets. And Malcolm, I mean, and uh, Jim Brown is like, shit, me too. <laughs> like I said, these Sam Cook and, and um, another small note. Sam Cook attended the fight with his wife after the fight because he wanted to kick it with the fellas. He sent his wife home on a pl- on a plane ride home so he could get so he could get out. Like I said, these two dudes are highly flawed. Jim Brown might might he might be single at this time, but then he doesn't have any beer in the room, so they go and sneak in while while they're out to the phone. Uh, you know, messing around it, coming back from the phone booth, they go digging. Um, before actually, actually before they left, I think they went and found. Uh, maybe it was after Malcolm left the room, but they go find um Sam Cooke's special stash in his guitar case where they could get some liquor. You know, they ain't all the way straight, and that's what another thing that's dope about Jim Brown. You know, he's using a lot of profanity. He's talking about being with the ladies. Uh, Sam Cook is smoking like these are everyday dudes. Like everybody is not the same and not on the same shit. And not everybody is, you know, Jim Brown is like, I'm a, I'm a giant in what I do. I'd be damned if I sit in here and bite my tongue and be all deferential to Malcolm X and his, his, uh, nation of Islam shit. Like I'm me, but we're still friends, you know, and I love you and all of that and blah, blah, blah. Um, They get into some different discussions after they talk, you know, after it comes out that he's going to join the nation of Islam and, you know, Sam is concerned, like, man, you sure you want to do that? You know, you want to, you want to get involved with all of that? He's used to doing balancing his world and doing his, doing things his way because he has to sell records. He has to sell, you know, he has to tour and sell records in order to make money. So he's not trying to, turn anybody off on him because he's already he already knows that he's relegated to just you know black people buying his albums by and large and and coming to his shows jim brown is like man i don't bite my tongue for nobody and i'm you know i'm doing my thing but i'm in the nfl and there's you know there's the already the the structure of the nfl you know i'm not even though he's big it's still some cover in the NFL for him. And, um, but Jim knows the, he knows the game though. He's like, man, I can keep doing whatever the hell I want to do because of the NFL and, and the structure, the infrastructure. And there's however many teams in the league, there's other players like, it ain't, I, I know what I can do. I know. I, and I know how to play the game. He, but he's like, you in some different shit. You, you, this one man thing, like in, in the world of boxing, you know, you maybe can't move how I move. Like you need to think this shit over. He has this dope. He's like I said, Jim's character says a lot of dope shit in this movie, but he tells, um, 
He tells Cassius Clay, man, we're all just gladiators looking up to our rulers for the thumb up or thumb down. Like, you know, and he's like, I ain't doing this shit forever. You all know he only played nine or 10 years. I believe it was nine, which they get into that at the end of the movie. But he's like, we all out here just being gladiators, man. And, you know, he's like, I'm into this movie shit because that shit is easier on my knees. Young Cassius. Man, I'm a gladiator, but I'm going to be fighting till I'm an old man. And I'm a, you know, he still loves the game solely. He got a young body. And he looks in the mirror when they get in the room. He's like, I, I beat that. I beat up the world champion, defeated the world champion. I don't even have a scratch on my face. So it's all, it's all looking easy for him. Jim Brown, this shit is already starting to take a toll on him and on his body. There's a lot of different, um, what do they call them? Easter eggs in here. I just told you what everybody's secret was. And when those secrets like came out to the world in real time, those were all major events. If you know the movie that, um, that Jim Brown talked about, I believe that's the one where he might've had the relation, you know, the on screen, his on screen love interest was Raquel Welch. I could be, that could be messed up factually. Um, I wish I should have checked that beforehand, but all of these things are, all of these are big moves when they happen. Like I said, when a change going to come, comes out, that's a big move. This transition of him to, to, uh, to Muhammad Ali, this is a big move. Him making a decision to go with the nation of Islam over desperate as Malcolm X. That's a huge, that's a huge uh, move in the, in the big scheme of things. But, um, one of the Easter eggs is the fact that, you know, Malcolm X says, well, you know, I had this meeting with this writer and he was talking about how he knew he was being, he could tell when he was being followed. And he said, you know, he was alluding to the fact that, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around. So he's like, I had this meeting with this writer. Well, that writer was Alex Haley who did the autobiography of uh, Malcolm X. Like I said, Jim Brown talked about the movie. And then at the end, the song is alluded to by Sam Cooke. They end up going on the roof because he gets Malcolm X gets paranoid, does a sweep of the room for uh, bugs and whatnot. And he's like, let's go out on, the, you know, all the stuff we talking to talking about. Let's go out on the roof where we know we're not bugged. And they had that's when things blow up. Start. That's really where they start to blow up again. Sam and. Sam and, and Jim are like, man, we normally don't get down like this, like we do we do rock star and athlete shit. Like dude, we, we, we trying to play with this right, play along, but we getting really bored. And so they clash up there because Malcolm has been prodding and probing and condemning and judging and, and, and getting in little jabs at Sam cook and Sam cook. Um, says, well, Jimmy, you know, with you getting, this is when, um, I, I mean, Cassius Clay gives up Jimmy's secret about the movie while they're on the roof. And Sam Cooke is like, well, bro, that's what you need to be doing. You need to come on out here, you know, 
It's liberal out in California. Don't nobody care about no black and white out in California. It's about green out there. And if you got something to sell, you got some talent. That's what you need to be doing. And again, Malcolm X jumps on that. Like y'all worried about all this silly shit. We're in the middle of a revolution. You need to be on your post. You need to be work, uh, doing stuff for your people. You need to be doing this. You need to be. You need to use your voice for this. You need to run the ball for this. And they're like, man, I'm getting tired of this shit. So they almost come to blows out there. And at this time, uh, Malcolm X is taking these photos, and I'm like, does anybody have any of these photos? I thought I was hanging around at the end of the movie. Like, if anybody has any of these photos that he took, like those would be remarkable. Like we would have known about this on a higher level already. Maybe it got burned up in the, you know, when the, when the house got burned up, maybe that's why we never saw this stuff. So Sam lets you know when he starts talking about Baldwin Hills, he's like, we don't even live with the white people. We don't even worry about Hollywood or Beverly Hills. Like we got our own Beverly Hills. It's called Baldwin Hills. And he says something, it's some, it's some benefits and some pros to being in Baldwin Hills that, you know, we out there doing our things. Like we free people. Like we, we doing what we do. Malcolm X is like, Shh, that ain't nothing. You out there living it up and forgetting about the people who help, who pay, who, who give, who buy your shit, who paid, who buy movie tickets and concert tickets and buy albums and stuff. And Sam Cooke is like, man, I don't, I don't know about all that. Um, so when they come back down from the rooftop, uh, there was a confrontation where, um, it was almost a, a conversation between Jim Brown and the security team, Lance Reddick, Kareem X. And they go, cause they had been horse playing and, 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 um, Malcolm X is on edge and was like, man, if y'all could quit joking for a minute, like we got serious stuff to talk about and you know, blah, blah, blah. And they, they started messing with his, uh, Sam cook snatched his, his camera from him. And he's like, that's really expensive. And this state of the art is German engineered and blah, blah, blah. And they like, just relax. Motherfucker. Shit. Shit. But as they come back down, Sam is really pissed off. And, um, cause, because Sam asked the question, like, which one of us don't belong here? He's like, the hell, I'm gonna keep it a, I'm gonna keep it a buck back in 1964. Uh, you got us in here doing this bullshit. The rest of us are independent dudes. Like you sitting here talking, you trying to sell us what all this shit about, you know, being of service in the community and whatnot, but you don't even have, you don't have shit. You don't have nothing to offer nobody, but just talk and revolution. And, and like he said, you've been, you call, you want to get on TV and call the white people devils. So as they going back inside, uh, you know, Malcolm X is pissed off because you didn't, you didn't call me out and pointed out the fact that I can't even argue. You know, I've dedicated, I've devoted my life to my faith. And now you telling me I don't belong with the rest of y'all. Cause I don't make, I don't have no money. I don't, you know, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not selling tickets and I'm not appearing in movies and stuff. All I really have is my intellect and my faith. 
And as they're coming back in here, uh, Sam calls him a Sam, this sandpaper nigga. I don't know if he meant because of his shade, his, you know, his skin tone, or if he was just rubbing everybody the wrong way at this point. And here's one of the, the one of the earlier signs of where um, Cassius Clay is tr- is being the glue here. He's like, hey y'all, we got to stick together. You know, we we friends. And he was like, you supposed to be the you supposed to be smooth, Sam. And he was like, fuck smooth. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of this shit. Then we get in here and get this very important scene. The second important scene. First the roof, then this record scene. And Malcolm X really doubles down with his bullshit and and going at um and going at Sam Cooke. But he plays uh he plays a couple of uh Sam's songs and was like, ah, these good records, you missed the soul and whatnot, but you ain't talking about shit. Nothing that you're talking about reflects the struggle and what's going on with the people. And he plays a couple of his songs. And again, young ass Cassius Clay is like, shit, I love them. I love both of them records. That's my shit. That's my joint. Over in the corner. And then Malcolm X puts on this Bob Dylan song. Blowing in the wind. Sam Cooke takes this shit personal. Because there's something in the song about how many miles can a man walk or must a man walk before he's considered a man. And this hits a nerve immediately. This, this was a low blow. And even Jim Brown has said, man, y'all done pulled out the knives. He's like, y'all done pulled out the knives with this shit. And, um, but he was like, and if I get cut, it's going to be a wrap for all this shit. So y'all need to calm this shit down. So um, he plays his song and he's, he bobbing his head to it. Malcolm X is snapping his finger to it. Like this is, this is real music. Like this is, and he says, ain't this, this a white boy from Minnesota. How come this white boy from Minnesota can say what he wants to say with no repercussions and no thoughts is selling more records than it's a number one hit record and shit. Why can't you say what you want to say? And this is, this is, this is, this is short sightedness in my opinion on Malcolm X's behalf. And I've mentioned this in the boxing world. I'm gonna keep it short, but it's a Mexican uh, fighter named Canelo Alvarez right now doing a lot of different things, taking a lot of different risks, fighting in different weight classes. Usually fighters stay in one, maybe two weight classes, Here's Canelo Alvarez. He's going up and fighting champions like two and three weight classes above him. He's doing some 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 uh, unusual shit. Like I said, most brothers, most black fighters don't even entertain going up to the next. Very few of them do. And here's Canelo Alvarez going up three weight classes and fought a world champion at, at 175 pounds. And it was a whole bunch of concerns. You, you crazy? Because he was considered small at 160 pounds. Now you're up at 175. Anyway, well, my point was somebody like Canelo can go out and be this ambitious and take on this kind of challenge because he's going to get 30 something million dollars to do it. We got the two black guys that we want to fight one another and Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. Both fight at 147. We can't even get that fight 
Neither one of those dudes can really make over 12 to 15 million per guy. So they don't want to take the risk. And I've been saying Alvarez, yeah, you go do shit like that. When you know you're doing it, you, when you climbing in the ropes for 35 million, you go do that. Same thing here. I don't know what the ratio was and the, the, the census numbers were back then, but Bob Dylan could sell this, this simple ass acoustic guitar song shit to his people and, and do well on it could chart and all that shit because of who's going to buy the, who the, who the audience is. It's going to be on the radio is he can do what he wants to do. Sam cook doesn't have those luxuries. He's trying to keep the lights on. So Sam Cook, but Sam Cook knows, he knows that and wants to do, he wanted to do more. But he's pissed off because he called him out on his shit, so he leaves. And um Cassius Clay again. He leaves, he follows out after him, and you know, they end up going to the liquor store. This sets up maybe the best part of the movie. Arguably the best part of the movie. Cause to this point. Jim Brown said a couple of things, a couple of lines. Like I said, he said, I'm Jim motherfucking Brown. When they were, when they were coming, when Malcolm X and Sam were coming back to the room, uh, Jim Brown was looking out and was like, Oh, here they come. And Cassius Clay was like, damn, you got super hearing. And he's like, I'm Jim motherfucking Brown. This is, you know, and this is the legend of Jim Brown. Um, he also told this younger, uh, security guard who came in the room and Cassius Clay was asking him about, this is let you know that he's having some second, he's getting some cold feet about switching over to the nation of Islam, not being able to drink supposed to be, you know, better with the women. So he asked his, asked the young kid and the young, and the young, the younger guy was like, Shh, I joined it. I joined up with the nation of Islam for, uh, you know, to be a part of something. And to get this bully off my back. And Jim Brown was like, shit, you could have went and joined the gang. Which is ironic because years later, Jim Brown was active in, um, you know, on, on the West Coast about gang violence back in the day. The other thing that the kid, the dude, the, the younger security guard said was something about Kareem X, Lance Reddick's character. He runs a tight ship and you know, it's all, you know, being in the, in the NOI is all about this discipline. And Jim Brown is like, shit, I ain't no fan of no tight ship. Like, I do what the fuck I want to do. That ain't changing. And then one of his better lines earlier, when they asked, when he was asked about what he considered it, he was like, man, have you tasted my grandmama's uh, pork chops? So he has a ton of great lines all throughout the movie, but this shit that I'm getting ready to talk about right here. And even though y'all pulled the knives out line, y'all pulled up, y'all pulled out the knives. And if I get cut, but, um, well, before, before, uh, Sam walks out of the room, he talks about, he's like, all right, man, you've been fucking with me all night about, how I'm impactful in my role and, and kind of marginalizing what I do as a recording artist. And he talks about these five Womack boys. We all know Bobby Womack. And he talks about, uh, I think they had, I don't know if the name of their group was the Valentinos, but he says, um, 
Malcolm X had tried to tell him about the British invasion. Like your time is up anyway, because this British invasion shit is going to make it even rougher for you. And Sam Cooke is like, bruh, I've invested in the, um, in the, in the British invasion. I actually took one of the songs from Bobby Womack and the Rolling Stones asked me because the, I guess the Beatles had been in Miami ahead of the fight and Malcolm X saw Cassius Clay hanging out with them. So he brings them up and tries to throw them in um, Sam's face. And, 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 and Sam is like, nah, bro, I, after we sold his song and let the, the Rolling Stones do it, like the song went to number one royalty checks came in and my label got paid. And then from that, I was able to pay Bobby for, for his song, which only reached 94 on the charts. And he was like, I know my business. I know what I'm doing. And then when Sam punches back is just what I was talking earlier. Um, he's like, man, we're out here doing what we do in our respective careers and whatnot. Everything is in black and white with what you're making it out to be. This is what I was just talking about in the last episode with brothers always make a lot of brothers online, making everything about racism and, and all of their focus is on racism. And he says, all this shit ain't black, ain't, ain't black and white. Like we got to live. We got to eat. We got to be productive. We got to be active in what our gifts are. And then he says, man, you talking this shit like you perfect. He said, he said, I'm from Chicago. My family is from Chicago. I've seen where minister, the honorable Elijah Muhammad lives in this big ass building in this big ass uh, mansion that looks like the mayor's mansion or the governor's mansion. And he said, um, he talks all this black, all this black stuff and attacks all these black issues and what whatsoever. And, and the white man, he said, he's doing all calling the white man, this and that. But he said, he don't say nothing about the aldermen in the city that run numbers and do their things and take pay payout or take money under the table and all this stuff that they got going on. And they don't say, and, and the nation of Islam doesn't say anything about any of that. And he was like, you said that shit about JFK after he was uh, after he was assassinated. He said, my mama cried after that. And again, a dope ad lib really was um, Cassius Clay says, my mama did, too. I thought that was a this, that's like I said, the dialogue, the way that it's put together is just phenomenal for me. So Sam punches back was saying that this nation of Islam shit ain't what it's chalked up to be. It's all about money. It's a hustle. I think before this time, he might have even said the, uh, something back to Jim while they were in the back. He might have said something about, like, you got to be a hustler to see the hustle coming in turn, uh, and referring to what Malcolm X was trying to do with Cassius Clay. He said, you got you got to be a hustler to see the hustle coming. He's like, I got eyes on this, this dude. So then be, that's when he walks out of the room, sets up my favorite part of the movie. Malcolm X has said something about, you know, no one can stand on the fence right now. Y'all don't know where we are with this shit, but you either got to be with us or you with them. And, you know, you either with you either with us or you with them. And he was like. Jim is doing his thing. Jimmy is doing his thing. 
Um, Cassius Clay is getting ready to make this announcement and going to put a target on his back. And he was like, you got to, you, what, what's going to be your contribute contribution to this whole shit. And so he, he blows all the Malcolm X blows all up and he's, you know, he's ran, um, you know, he's run, uh, he's ran, uh, Sam cook off, you know, he, he leaves. And like I said, Cassius Clay goes to get him or goes to be with him to mend fences. And then, like I said, the best shit in the movie. And Jim was, Jim just was the total package in terms of standing up to Malcolm X. Like, fuck you and your faith and that, that Islam and, 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 and the nation of Islam. Like, bro, this, this is me and you right here. And he said, man, he said, you're as yellow as the sun. He said, well, why the fuck is you, you, you yellow and light skinned cats? Why y'all always running around being all loud and shit? <laughs> this, this is, this, this shit right here is just beautiful shit from, from Kent Powers. But he says, man, I almost have to ask myself, like, are you trying, are you doing all of this and saying all and stirring up all of this shit to prove something to white people? Or are you doing this to prove something to black people? What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Just sit the fuck, just, you know, chill the fuck out and 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 do something. Earn some money, drink, smoke, join the gang. But he says, man, we all in here getting a paycheck from a white man. He said, he said, my this is the, this is the whole shit right here. He tells him, man, this shit is all about economic freedom. That's what we all fighting for. And that's what we all upset about is economic freedom. This is what Jim Brown tells Malcolm X. And and Malcolm X goes to say something. And he's like, you don't have a job, Negro. I say he had all the, he had all the best lines in the movie. You don't have a job, Negro. I don't know what I wrote down here. Not being cruel to us. Um, hmm. Oh, Malcolm X counters with some shit like, man, you guys are all we got. You know, you guys that sell newspapers and the, you're in the media. You have a platform. Same shit as they we. This is what I, I've been tripping on the last four or five years with still trying to make these athletes. This whole Kaepernick shit. I just said on the last episode with my barber. Who might be on the show soon? With he's written a book. But gonna ask me, uh, are you gonna are you gonna watch the NFL? Or are you not going you you're not joining you're not gonna be a part of the blackout? Fuck no. For what? I was just on this site today, outkick.com. Go down in the comment section, it's white guys on there with these racially charged comments about Deshaun Watson wanting to get out of Texas, uh, the Houston Texans. And it's, I can't even say it's like thinly veiled racist shit. It's like this man ain't supposed to say shit about his workplace. And it's these comments that, like I said, be in, like we would, we wouldn't even trip on a black fan. We wouldn't even trip on what Deshaun Watson is talking about. 
But it's like he should be happy to, to with the extension, the $154 million extension that he got. So he shouldn't give a fuck about nothing. He shouldn't speak up on nothing. He shouldn't say nothing but just play football. It wasn't even interesting, interesting enough for me to even look into none of the, the details or nothing. I understand the coach got fired like the third or fourth week of the season. That lets me know it's a shit show. That coach traded away an all-pro type wide receiver from a quarterback who needs a, a number one wide receiver and didn't get shit in return for it. This ain't this ain't black and white. This ain't no. It was guys on there. This snow these snowflake athletes. Okay. But Malcolm X says, Malcolm X says, um, you know, we need, I, we need y'all, we y'all, all we got, y'all generate, y'all generate money. Y'all can earn money. You you know, the white people, white America pays you all, and you 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 are you generate generation. You know, you generate revenues and you, you economic generators or engines or whatever. This is how money comes in the community, and you have a you you have visibility and all of this stuff. We gotta use y'all. He says, um, you know, we gotta use y'all as weapons. And Jim Brown is like, man, fuck that, man. We ain't weapons. We aren't anyone's weapons. We're people. And as a result of being in these places, just like I said with Deshaun Watson, we carry a lot of shit. I want to drink my beer. Get a little pushy. And be a man. You know, shit, I ain't trying to be, I ain't trying to lead nobody. I thought this was, this, this is. I thought this shit was from this, this dialogue was phenomenal. And then Malcolm X breaks down and here it is after Jimmy has challenged him and stood up to him and pretty much bested him. He sees the man break. He's, he now sees the bully breaking down. Who's been the bully all night. And he says, man, you know, he reaches over touches him on his shoulder and assures him that, Hey bro, like I'm right here with you, man. What's going on? This is letting us know that shit is really, this is when, you know, he's starting to understand the nation, the, 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 the true, uh, temperature of the situation with the nation of Islam, as well as what's going on with the feds. Like his life is really unstable. And he's like, bro, what's, what is, what is going on? What are you not telling us? Um, the liquor store is another interesting scene. Um, Ali again, just basically reiterates his love for his friends. And actually he had, he shows a lot of leadership here because he challenges Sam again in the same shit that Malcolm X was talking about, talking about, uh, one thing that Sam, one thing that you have, they went to go get, like I said, they went to some, to get some more liquor and blow off a little steam before they come back. But he's like, man, you take this shit for granted, Sam, but all of us have power and we need to be friends. We need to maintain our friendship because only we know about the pressure of all of this and the, you know, the uncertainty of it all. And the, these are, these are uh, huge shoes to fill. Like not everybody can do what we're doing. 
And if we don't have one another to lean on each other, to, we're not going to be able to make it through this thing individually. Like I told you last week, if you want to go anywhere, if you want to go somewhere fast, go alone. If you want to go somewhere far, go with others. And he says a very important line here too, because this is all that's going on. This is the same shit in 64 as what we saw in 20. He tells, uh, he tells, um, Sam, man, we just want to create a safe space where we can be ourselves, where we can look how we want to look and where we can think what we want to think. That's all we want. That's all we want. We shouldn't even have to want that. That should be one of them inalienable rights. Like now, you know, can I grow me some dreadlocks? In all actuality, I could if I wanted to and go to work and not have to hear no shit. Really, I could. Um, I just got a little issue going on with my hairline up at the front. Despite the fact it looks like I have a head full of hair. I really don't. <laughs> you throw a bucket of water on my hair and be like, damn, you bald headed. In the-? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. I look like Don Flamingo up at the at my hairline. But I thought that was just some of the strength that's shown in the movie and the duality of the vulnerability that is shown is just, it's it's just very authentic in my opinion. Real shit. As, as, as uh, Benny the butcher would say real shit, but what I was just saying in the last episode of it's always personal. Some of this shit that we saw at the white house, I mean, at the Capitol building, um, the shit that I'm hearing from these brothers online talking this black power and this separate isolationist and separatist shit and whatnot. People just want to be able to be themselves. And as a minority it's very difficult, it's very difficult to be what you want to be. But then I took that a step further when I was talking about some of this hip hop and is this is this then what we want to be? Some of these lyrics in some of this rap music is that what is that what we want to be? Is that what we want to show the world that this is what we we think about? Seven out of seven to eight brothers out of every ten brothers is walking around thinking this same shit. That's a concern for me. I at least need that shit to be five and five that the other five of us are out here conducting ourselves or thinking like uh, Kemp Powers or Denzel Washington or Chadwick Boseman or Courtney B. Vance or Mike Tomlin or Tony Dungy. Shit, Hill Harper. Omari Hardwick. Yes, Omari Hardwick and not James St. Patrick. (laughs) 
Yeah, I want to be myself within the community. I still want to be able to be myself amongst all black men. I still want to be comfortable and be accepted for how, how I present myself to the world. And that's what these, that's the, the sub, that's like the sub issue that's here and going on between these four dudes is there's no respect for one another, for the, for the, uh, the struggle of each individual man as a black man with Malcolm X over here throwing these darts at people. He doesn't really appreciate, I mean, he doesn't really respect, you know, everything that Jim is doing, but he know Jim will bust his ass. So he just lets him be, but Jim can, can serve him just physically. Well, let me restate that just based on his, uh, physical, his athletic, his athleticism. Just because he can go out there and do what he does on the field and maintain his value on the field and be able to say what he wants to say, how he wants to say it, Malcolm X can read that. He can he can rock with that with those optics. So then we had the post argument scene. Um, Sam and 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 Cassius come back. Everybody makes up. And um, I love when Sam comes back in the room. He's like, man, shit, I wasn't running off. I wasn't going nowhere. Shit, you ain't nobody. I, you got in your blows, but I landed mine as well. Because at this at this point in time, we learned from earlier in the movie between Malcolm X and Betty, we know that, well, we know that he's leaving. Well, we know that uh, every, well, he's he's aware of the bullshit that was going on with the honorable Elijah Muhammad and all the women and the, the, the children that he's fathered. So when Sam points that shit out, he's like, well, you know, I really can't say that's why I'm going to start my own shit. And he said, he taught, he tells, um, so when I'll get to that here in just a second, but when Sam comes back in, he's like, all right, man, we've deferred to your shit long enough, bro. I'm getting ready to take over the hosting duties for the balance of the evening. We going out to have some drinks and to kick it. Um, Malcolm then reveals, this is another dope scene. A very, this, I got three stars next to this scene. This is a very important scene. Malcolm reveals his real interest, his real reason for his interest in Sam. And he, he let Sam know, yeah, I was fucking with you earlier and I was on you hard, man. But outside of what I would like you to do for me, you have a real power that I don't even know if I can have. Because that's what sports and, and entertainment, and this is why hip-hop right now, this is why this shit, this is why I, I, this is why I mentioned that. Eric, Erica Badu back in the day, I was at a, at the black expo and she sang this song that I'd never heard prior to her singing it. I didn't even like when the song was released. It, it didn't even have, it didn't even hit the same, but she says something about hip hop is bigger than religion. And the crowd got quiet as fuck. I'm, I mentioned this on, on pay me no mind when it, when it was just a podcast, but she says something like hip hop is bigger than bigger than your religion. I can't even it came out on that new America or new Erica, whatever that shit was. And I, like I said, that night 
the song really resonated with me. When the album dropped, I was like, ah, this, this is okay. But she said, you know, hip hop is bigger than religion. And she sung it. She sung the line like two or three times in the, the crowd. You could have heard a, a needle drop in there. It's like, what the fuck you mean, Erica? <laughs> we haven't even seen you in, in several years with no, I think this was after window seat or some shit, but it was like, what the fuck you mean by that? All the religious people or the spiritual people. And, um, but he says, you know, I caught you. He said, man, I've been to five of your shows, Sam. Even though you think everything I do is in this, in this tie and these black suits and shit. I'm a fan of yours. He said, I've seen, I saw you in Chicago a couple of times, but he said one night in, in Boston, all four of them are sitting there on the double beds or the, the twin beds, knee to knee. Yes. Brothers used to sit that close to one another without being worried about homosexual shit. Brothers could be that close to when that proximity to one another. And he's telling his story and he kind of checks Jim Brown when Jim says some shit and he was like, you gonna let me finish the story or what or not. But he tells him that he saw him at a show where Jackie Wilson had left the stage as the opener and Jackie Wilson played the sound man to turn off the sound and to pull a prank on, um, Sam and Sam's band, you know, they, they abandoned him. They left him on the stage and Sam was like, them niggas left me like slaves leaving the plantation or something. And it was funny then, but he said, uh, you know, Malcolm X was like, man, what, what I saw next was the most amazing shit I've seen in my life. And I don't, I'd like to ask him powers. Like, did he research this and confirm this? Or is this some movie shit? But, the fans were throwing shit at Sam cause you know, the song wasn't going on and, and um, Malcolm X was back in the back with some of his NOI brethren brethren. And they were like, man, this young brother about to get chased off this stage and killed if he can't perform this song. So uh, Sam starts stomping on the ground to the, that's the sound of the men working on the chain gang, All that shit. I know I can't sing. So, but that's the song. And he had him stomping with the, mm, eh, mm, 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 eh. and um, the, the crowd joins in, you know, he gets this small group of females to start and then it spreads throughout the crowd. And as they start, as the crowd all joins in on the, the chanting, then Sam started singing the song. And that's when Malcolm X realized how powerful an entertainer is Versus what he could ever hope to accomplish with giving his and delivering his speeches. And he lets you know, that's why I was fucking with you because I need you. We need you. And you could do more with your, with your gift. So it was, it was a payoff in why he was fucking with me, why he was getting him all riled up and why he pointed that shit out about the Bob Dylan joint, a white boy from Minnesota. Um, then it also comes out, the, the next reveal is that I think Jim lets it out the bag that from when he asked him what's going on, he tells, um, well, you know, champ, uh, I really want you to be a Muslim. I just don't want you to be in the nation of Islam because I'm, I'm not going to be over there. And 
he feels real, really betrayed because here he is getting ready to go out here the next day or in the next 24 hours. He's getting ready to tell the world that he wants to be referred to as Cassius X and that he's joining the nation of Islam. Cause he'd been, he along throughout the night, he'd been giving up signs that he really wasn't about this shit. Like, and he said, I felt a lot. He tells him, I felt a lot better about this before I won this title. But now I don't know. And so Malcolm X gets up and is like, brother, if you think that I had any ulterior motives or anything was insincere, insincere or that I was trying to mislead you, then just walk away from me. This is how he, he, Malcolm X is really desperate. He, I really felt like Ben uh, Kingsley Benadir is really, even if it was a hard, cause he's probably, he might be British. You know, some brothers in America don't fuck with no foreigners playing a black, uh, an American, you know, black man. And I was trying to, and I've seen a couple of, we've seen the individuals who we've seen play Malcolm X, the brother that was on the movie. I mean, the, um, the cinema, is it Cinemax? The King up in the King of Harlem or whatever last year, the brother who used to be on the commercials as the, the athlete. Speaking of athletes and football players, he was the wide receiver. That was a diva. He played Malcolm X in that one. We all know about Denzel Washington. Well, we've seen a couple different brothers play him, but right here, Kingsley Benadir gets in his bag. And he's like, brother, if you don't, if you, if you want to walk away from me, then do what you got to do. Here's the one point of vulnerability from um from Cassius Clay. He jumps up to go choke uh to to grab uh like I said they sit knee to knee. He's like motherfucker and goes to grab up Malcolm X because you he's like you played me. I told you Sam said you got to be a hustler to see the hustle. Another dope ad lib in the movie or uh, that was that was kind of snuck in the dialogue. So Sam and, and Sam says Sam comforts him. Sam offers some comfort to Malcolm X when he sees what's what's going on here with his friend who he has had a rough patch with. But he's like, man, the world on, you know, sitting around with the world on your shoulders is bad for your health, bro. What the fuck? There was a really good what the fuck that um that Jim said. It, it sounded like too 21st century for it to be back then, but it's I can't think of the scene right now, but it was it was hilarious. Like I said, Jim had all the great lines. Um It's a quick makeup. Um, actually this was the part I got to know right here. This is when he said, you got to be a Sam said, you got to be a hustler. This was, it was moments before this where he said that about, you got to be a hustler to see the hustle. Um, then they're like, Hey, the, 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 the Jamal cat, the secure, the younger security guard or member of the detail, he knocks on the door and says, Hey, there's some press out here. Um, they want, they want to have a few words with the new world champion. And um, Cassius Clay is like, after just, you know, his world kind of from uh, coming apart, that is his, his good, his spiritual advisor, he realizes he's a pawn in his game. 
And this is a real vulnerable moment for Malcolm X, who's been the bully all night. And Cassius Clay is getting ready. He's standing there, getting, you know, getting himself prepared to go out here and help the, the media sell some newspapers. And um, it's a moment of real uncertainty for Malcolm X. Am I, is this, is this the straw that broke the camel's back? Like all the, all the pushing and working I've been doing all night long. This shit was fragile and I, I might've just fucked this all up. And Cassius Clay being the leader that he, that he is. I, I read an article. I read some, some paragraphs from an article on the undefeated in the last episode uh, about the Cassius, I mean the Muhammad Ali or the Ali summit that happened three years later in 1967. And this was when Ali didn't back down on taking this deal that they tried to give him where he could continue fighting versus being suspended for what was it? Three years or whatever. And going and facing the charges. And he was resolute then that he wasn't taking the deal. He was going to stand on his own. He was going to stand on his square that I'm not fighting in your war. I'm not fighting your war. And you got to do what you, whatever you got to do with your court system and, and all of that. We, we had to let it play out. And he does the same. He shows those same, that same resoluteness. I think that's a word. He stands tall here. He says, uh, you know, he asks uh, Mal- Malcolm X, hey, are you coming with me or not? And Malcolm, you know, starts glowing, you know, and f- feeling a lot better. And he says, well, you know, I don't have nothing to say. But he's like, well, I need you standing beside me when I go out here and do this. And they both go down there. And after talking some some of his typical stuff, you know, he informs the people when they ask him about why is Malcolm X here standing with you? And he says, well, he's here because we're we're representing the nation of Islam. And he says, you will from 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 now on. You all refer to me as Cassius X. And at the same time, Sam and Jim are having their alone time. And this is where uh, they, and they drinking some liquor too. They find, I think Sam brought back some liquor with him. And now that they know they're getting ready to go out and, and, and party, um, they're sharing some words and, you know, Sam has already endorsed or co-signed Jimmy doing what he wants to do in Hollywood. And here he tells Jim like, Hey, you know, I, I was listening to what I was listening to that shit that he was laying on me. And, uh, he was like, I heard blowing in the wind when it came out. And he was like, I should have wrote that song. I should have wrote a song like that. And that's another thing. When I get on the R and B that's out there now, I did the review of uh, Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels two episodes ago. And um, this gives us the last Easter egg that he says, you know, I've been working on something. I've been ever since that song came out, you know, I've been I've been working on something. And so from there, they go to the bar. Uh, to this bar to have some drinks and whatnot and everybody's saluting and celebrating the champ and whatnot. And Malcolm X is taking pictures and, you know, and not drinking. 
And then he goes and looks out the window and he sees one of the security detail giving some documents or something to the G men. And this reinforces the fact that he knows that he just can't trust anybody and shit is probably getting ready to go sideways for him in a bad way. And, um, and then it's this, this closing, I don't know if it's called a vignette, but it's this closing sequences, this, this, these, these sequences where, um, Sam goes on to actually sing on television. Um, a change gonna come for the first time. He shares it with, uh, you know, the world. And at the same time, they show Malcolm X's house being burned down or bombed with the, uh, the Molotov, Molotov cocktail, uh, him rushing out into the streets with his, uh, with Betty and and the children. And, um, they also have a quick thing where, um, Jim Brown informs the media while he's on set. I think he might've been shooting a dirty dozen, I believe. And he's reading a statement and just saying, because I don't have the, the Browns want to, I'll incur, I've been told I'll, I'll incur hefty fines if I go back and I didn't have enough time to finish filming this before the season started. And I'm not ready. You know, I can't go, I can't leave at this point. So he's like, I'll just retire. You know, the hell with it. I just retired. And, um, like I said, Sam is going on to do, you know, one of his biggest songs, maybe his most, uh, iconic song, maybe his most impactful song is what he's singing. And then they show Cassius Clay. This is kind of a heartbreaker. This is kind of a heartbreaker. Cause this lets you know that the nation of Islam as dirty as it was in some regards. And this, like I said, if you watch the Malcolm X documentary that's on Netflix, you'll see how dirty it got when the split happened. And Muhammad Ali, who Elijah Muhammad announces, introduces to the world, in this sequence that they show at the end of the movie, he chose the group over the man who changed his life, you know, and had been by his side. He chose the group over his friend. And this right here in this clothes right here really was touching and just is apropos for being Martin Luther King day. But they put this, uh, they put this speech, uh, I mean, this uh, this excerpt from a speech or a statement from from Mar- uh, from Malcolm X, and it says something about, well, if I'm if I'm to be a martyr, to just know that I did it for brotherhood. Just you know, I'm I'll accept it, and you know, I'll accept my fate, but just know that I did it for for the, for brotherhood. And like I said, when I look at the state of things online with the, the, the group that I mentioned in my in this last episode, when I see some of the messaging and some of the channels and some of the content online, when I see what 50 cent has chosen to do with putting his material, most of his material, what it's about. When I listen to a lot of the rap lyrics, 
when I listen, when I see what's being, when the, all of the reality shows, like a lot of what I see being presented as mainstream black America, like this is what this man gave up his life for. This is what this man voluntarily gave up. This is what he believed in. This is just Malcolm X, not Martin Luther King. Same thing though. Is that what they made these sacrifices for? So some of the things that are being said right now, ever since this hour and a half, I've been talking. That's what these two men left these babies in this world and left the left Coretta and Betty for us to go out here and do a lot of this shit on, on the, on, on the scale that we do it at. Makes me, makes me wonder. Makes me wonder. We still talking about a change going to come, but it looks like the change is going in the wrong direction. All told. So anyway, that's it, man. I hope, um, I hope you enjoy the movie. I hope you check the movie out. I guess I should, maybe I put some spoiler alert shit in there as I post this, but I thought it was a phenomenal job, man, for everybody on the show. But yeah, I thought it was, um, shout out to, again, to, um, Kemp Powers on the excellent dialogue and, 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 uh, just all the exchanges between those, those four characters. And then, um, Regina King, you know, hell of a, hell of a directorial debut. Again, I mentioned I had a couple of epi- a couple of episodes ago with um, Malcolm Jenkins of the the New Orleans Saints, saluting black women and wanting to put provide encouraging brothers to provide a safe space for black women and whatever they're out here in the world trying to do and all of the heat, all of the smoke that was out there for that man for just for saying the black women who he was kind of talking about and those types of women in the, in the world and the ignorant ass brothers, the ignorant ass men who chose to say the dumb shit that they said. That's some kind of brotherhood on display and in action. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a little disheartening that I, you know, I get two or three, uh, listens, you know, per episode. Um, you know, I had a brother ask me to listen to his podcast the other day talking about boxing and shit. And, uh, how do you ask me to listen to your shit when you ain't listening? Listen, give me a listen and tell me what you think. The fuck did you listen to my shit and tell me when, when have you, I've, I've texted him once or twice fuck did you do anything for me i'm checking out this next movie that i'm in very interested interested in seeing and uh something to judas with the judas and the black messiah that's gonna be on hbo max judas and the black messiah with the daniel kalua cat from uh get out that's another one that I'm interested in seeing. I said this on the um, on the previous episode, man. Like I, I was saying, they are letting, you know, they are letting regular brothers rhyme right now with Black Thought 
Streams of Thought Volume 3, um, Royce the Five Nine, The Allegory, um, The Love That J. Cole's Gotten or Received, some of the stuff that uh, Kendrick has has done. I was mentioning this uh, YBN Cordae or whatever. Um, but it, with with that, they are letting brothers and sisters do some acting and some directing and some storytelling right now. So again, to sit here like Sam Cook said, like all this shit ain't black and white. All this shit ain't about racism and, and nothing has changed. And all. a lot of shit has really changed. It may not be perfect. I might not be perfect, but that's the work. That's the job. But to sit out here and do shit that's contrary to the job and be on some trickle down fuckery. My man texted me today. Uh, be sure to check out the real deal with Damien's Damien Adams podcast. He said he was going to add a trickle down fuckery to his vocabulary or, or, you know, the concept. I can't, I refuse to be a part of that shit. I refuse to be a part of that shit. I can't do a whole lot. I can't even do what I really thought I was going to be able to do just naturally as a, as a, as a man. I can't really, I, I, I won't be able to fuck with that. But I'm not going to turn around and be out here setting shit back because I'm in my feelings about some shit. But anyway, this is long enough. I'm going to try to keep this one. um, I'm going to try to do a quick intro and get this one up. I might not even do an intro. Just throw this shit up again. It's always personal, man. I I thought it was a it was an honor to talk about this movie, review this movie. Um, I loved it. Shout out to uh, the team, everybody involved with it. Amazon for putting it on there. Um, be sure to check out Sylvie's Love again. Be sure to check out Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Keep an eye out on this Judas that I just mentioned. I, I can't remember what I just said the title was with Daniel Kalua. But um, support this type of shit, man. I'm out. It's always personal. Thank you.